edition write that down september 7th and 8th in wrocław you can expect uh, industry thought leaders insightful talks networking with great devs from all around the world uh, and of course good vibes only write that down september 7th and 8th wrocław get your tickets now do it hello everyone and welcome to the react native show podcast uh today we're gonna talk about databases in mobile applications. So to do that, I invited Andrew Mayer, who is a ex-stuntman and a software engineer from MongoDB, and we'll be talking about RHEL. So uh, Andrew, hello, welcome to the show. Can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, hello, uh, I'm Andrew Mayer, as we've heard. Uh, I'm a senior software engineer at MongoDB. Uh, I've been there for about two and a half years. Um, I was hired uh, on the Realm.js team uh, to basically do uh, the React Native integration. So classically, Realm.js was developed for Node applications um, as a kind of like a server language, and uh, people were having troubles using it in React Native. So uh, I've been helping with the uh, the React Native integration, and yeah, awesome. I classically come from a React Native background um, before. Before I was hired, I was a React Native developer since about 2017. So, uh, yeah, somewhere around React Native version 35 or, or something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that that's quite a long time ago, the 35. Yeah. Uh, like before CocoaPods was part of the whole equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you, can you please maybe explain to me as a newbie uh, in like uh, databases environment, what what's the difference between like MongoDB and Realm? Well, MongoDB is uh, is a server database like uh, application. So you're basically running a server, uh, basically running the service on a server that's that's listening to multiple connections. It's uh, we're handling a lot of uh, concurrency, and uh, well, Realm is actually a local database on your phone. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, basically only just handling that single user at one time and um, also between the two differences uh how how you access the data like in in mongodb you you use queries uh and and, you know get some json back whereas realm is integrated within your language it's an object store so you basically get objects back you get they look like javascript objects but they're actually realm objects Mm -hmm. If if you access them it's actually running c++ code that that we handcrafted so it's uh, super performant, super fast, and uh, you don't really feel like you're working with a database. It just feels like you're working with native data structures. So that's yeah, kind of okay. the difference. Or, or MongoDB, it's, yeah. I guess we'll be talking about like Realm functionalities and some Realm technology in the later parts of the episode. So what I want to start these episodes from is to briefly go over like the data in mobile in general so not only databases but also like data structures and the way we handle persistence data so can you tell us something about the history of uh 
databases in mobile before we had Android and before we had uh, iOS, there was Nokia, right? Right. And yeah, Nokia uh, had their own, um, I think it was called like Series 30 and uh, phones, and they, they didn't really have a database because we didn't have applications back then. So they weren't, you basically just have these like little little apps you would run, right? There'd, there'd mm-hmm. be like, you know, storage of contacts and stuff like that, but it wouldn't have like a classic database the way you would think about it today. Uh, it wasn't until their their later models that they actually started having like SQLite involved. So if you're just going to run, you know, Snake on your phone, you don't really need a, a database, right? But it wasn't until the uh, the application space started where we could really, we really needed some more data-intensive applications. And uh, right. SQLite was already uh, developed and already in usage in Nokia phones. Uh, it wasn't, it didn't get there for a while, actually. Like SQLite was originally developed as an embedded uh, system uh, database for battleships, actually, I think for like missile targeting systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, there wasn't really anything uh, available at the time that was just running locally on a uh, on a single uh, chip that, that someone could access. Most databases ran on mainframes, so... Um, it was uh, originally developed so that they could run it, you know, basically on a single application. Um, and then it was open sourced um, and picked up by the Android team uh, as basically the database that that Android applications are going to use. And then started becoming the the mobile uh, database that exists on Android phones. So it was pre baked into the phone itself. Yeah, and if I'm not yeah. mistaken, it's also in uh, iOS devices as well by now. This is this is also my knowledge that uh, iOS devices and Android devices have that SQLite integration already there, already right. uh, yeah available. And, and iOS also had uh, another database that was called Core Data. Uh, this was actually a, a super antiquated uh, system out of the Next OS era like way way back when um you know next is uh the x and next is where the x and x code comes from so that's like how far you're going back like oh really like, okay like pre pre macintosh right so uh yeah uh core data i guess from what i've heard i've never used it but i've heard that it was extremely difficult to uh to work with like if you got it wrong it would just crash and um I yeah, think we have Objective C from the same reason that it w- it used to be in Next uh, operating system and then it got it, it got picked up by iOS as well. Right, right, yeah. It was just like Mac Mac apps in general, like Macintosh apps in general. So like that whole yeah. So what first... is the story uh, going from like this embedded database SQLite that you have already on Android and fo- in uh, an iPhone? What was the reason that Realm was created then? So uh, I talked to the founder Alexander uh, Stegson and uh, or Stegson, sorry. He uh, actually was working at Nokia and he left the company and wanted to make a uh, his own his own company where he's developing a, a code editor uh, that was collaborative, kind of like Google Docs now. And so he was trying to figure out a way to do that uh, using the tools like SQLite and things like that, because even if you're making a desktop application, it's still a local database. It doesn't have to be on a phone. So 
Uh, but he was having like, you know, thousands of crazy relations as you're dealing with every single change that occurs and all these change sets and he's finding that SQLite wasn't performing. Um, and so he decided to uh, boldly just try and develop his own database. Um, and then he realized like this could actually be the company that uh, mm-hmm. that uh, he, he could be starting. And so he was working on that and decided in, in 2011 to just try apply for Y Combinator. And uh, they got accepted and uh, they moved to San Francisco. It was They were originally in Copenhagen and basically started Realm um, database. Um, and I think they got picked up, like started gaining popularity around the time Swift was released. Um, mm-hmm. they had originally, uh, like the, the big project that they worked on Y Combinator was like an objective C version of realm. And, uh, as soon as they were about to, to release, uh, WWDC just like announced that they're releasing this new Swift language. <laughs> so they had to quickly, uh, panic and adapt. And so they created yeah. it for yeah, Swift. Yeah. So, yeah. And one um, interesting bit of information there is that at the same year that Realm was in the Y Combinator, another very popular solution was in the same batch as well, right? Right, exactly. So uh, Firebase was also an alum uh, that year. So uh, Alexander was working with the the owners of Firebase at the same time, collaborating on databases in the in the mobile space. So, yeah, yeah, and they both kind of branched off in their own different ways, as we can see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We will make some comparison to Firebase and uh, Realm in the uh, in the end of this episode. So, uh, going back to the like initial question of why do I never even need a database? Uh, I'm a React Native developer and like I'm completely satisfied with the options that I have, the options that are really easy and I don't have to um, add any additional package to get. So what I have right now is uh, async storage, which, sorry, it's not true. I do have to add that package. It's, it's no longer in, in the core. But like this is Man. very like plug and play, right? Async storage, yeah. uh, w- which you could call a very very simple database, according to you. Right, like async storage is a, a key value store, so it's a very simple database. Uh, it's at the end of the day, it's it's just a file, right? So you, mm-hmm. you make a key, it's it's saving uh, a string, and that's it. You have different keys for different strings. Uh, in the most case, the string is a parsed JSON object uh, that you have to stringify to save and parse to get back into your application. So for simple applications, that's that's really good. But if your local data is significant, uh, it could take some time to uh, to load that and hydrate it and also to keep track of it, right? Uh, to track the state on it. Yeah, um, so like... Going on with your uh, like growing example, if I have a growing data structure, then I opt for Redux or Mobex or uh, other state management libraries, and I, I can uh, say uh, persist my data and then hydrate it. And I guess under the hood, they still use the async storage, but then I have some more fine grade control over like the shape of my data structures. 
Right. And that's a that's a valid option. I mean, it's 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 legitimate. Uh, but at the end of the day, like you have everything in memory at that moment in time, right? You don't, mm-hmm. you don't have any, and you're constantly just just reading uh, your object. You're updating your state. It's uh, you're persisting it. Like you have you have that whole uh, stale data that you can look back on, which is kind of nice after a while, but if you don't need it, you don't need it, right? You're, you're not cleaning up as often. So you're building this, this giant state tree and this giant, uh, memory space when you're using, uh, the state management systems and classically that's good. Like for web, that makes sense, right? You, in web, you don't have a local database. You're, you're getting information usually from a rest API and you need to just store it in the memory of that browser and, and work with it and manage that state. But when you're on an actual like mobile device, you can actually you can leverage the hardware that's that's in your hand, right? And you could actually have a database that stores all this information and access it in a way that is super performant, is putting it in memory the way it's supposed to be, and not just relying on the JavaScript runtime itself to to handle the memory. Um, mm-hmm. Which yeah, yeah. You do any research into that, you kind of know that JavaScript isn't really super super efficient when it comes to memory storage um right yeah and what would be so i guess at the end of this ladder we would go we will talk about realm what would be the step between state management libraries and uh persisting and hydrating those and realm uh i guess the sql light kind of things what what are those right so you could leverage uh, the SQLite that's on the phone right now using, I mean, you could, you could just leverage it and write these, uh, SQL strings yourself. And, and, you know, but typically people don't want to do that. They don't want to write all these SQL statements all day. It feels like, you know, a class you took in college, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, there, uh, there are a lot of ORMs out there. So object relational mappings. And basically that's, uh, kind of an object syntax on top of the database. So as you're you're accessing this object that's that's uh kind of modeling the data that you mm-hmm. you have on your phone, it's automatically under the hood making these SQL queries for you and you know update queries, select statements, filters and all that under the hood. And um that's fine, but it's it's kind of a pain like if you for example have like a collection of data with some sub collections then you have to you know create a join table uh, or if you want to have a many many relationship like you have to yeah, basically yeah. have another table in your database that's just IDs that link things together and if you say have get a a person out of the database and the person has a collection of dogs when you do dot dogs it's they, they don't exist yet. It has to go and query now. It has to go do a join under the hood and then populate that for you, right? So there's a lot of these these queries that are happening. Um, and if you want to do anything uh, more complex, maybe at the end of the day, you still end up having to write these queries yourself. Like for, for the most part, ORMs handle about 95% of what you want to do. But if you know that 5% is when you actually have to get under the hood and learn how that database works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I right. wonder also about like uh, type safety in this kind of applications and like dev experience, the autocomplete stuff like that. 
how 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 is that how how does that work? Uh, basically, you'd have to model that yourself, right? You have to you have to write your own types on top of that, and hopefully expect that that's what's going to come back from SQL itself. Um, the types aren't generally like you know one to one mappings from TypeScript to to what you have in SQLite. Um, Realm also has its own types that don't completely map, but uh, we've we've created like a class based model um, uh, syntax for Realm, so you can model your data in a class, uh, which directly maps to what Realm will be. Um, it's actually we we came out with a Babel plugin that kind of reads the class and actually like generates the schema for you. Um, it's a uh, it's a bit of a uh, experiment at the moment i'm kind of thinking more in the way of like going in a code generation route where like you define your models and i don't know if you have used graphql before like you know graphql code gen where you can write your graphql queries and then just runs over your code base and then you get these nice like uh um these nice convenience functions you can use or convenience types that are just model yeah yeah yeah. um I think that's something we're going to look into in the future. At the moment, you define your things in class, you get them typed, and what comes out of your database is is typed, right? When you say, give me all the realm.objects of a person, you pass that person class in there, you get a person back that's typed, you get the autocomplete, you can see what types it has. Um, at least for most of the ORMs I've seen, uh, you basically get your objects with a string saying like the name, uh, the collection I want is called persons and that's a string. And then you have to use the generic type that you self-define to, to get mm-hmm. that out of there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So if the ORMs are SQLite, so relational databases are under the hood, uh, how is the realm different? How it differs from relational database, SQL the, database? Right. So Realm is an object database, and uh, which basically means you get these objects back. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, but it's also it's not an interface on top of you know an existing database. Like you know you're you're, a- you're accessing Realm directly. Um, classically, all the the teams that we have in our organization are based on the platform and languages that people develop apps in. Right. So we have a Swift team, a Java team, Kotlin team, Flutter team. And they are developing basically a layer on top of the core. They're writing in C++ so that you get a version of the database that looks exactly as it should in the language that you're using and uses the same paradigms. And, and then so, you are doing the bridge on top of that and giving us the React Native. Right, exactly. So we had a JS version that was exactly, you know, feels like JS. And then uh, I created a Realm React library that's basically providing React hooks and providers so that you can access that data from Realm.js, right? So with all that said, what is the actual benefit I get from this being uh, object database? The benefit you get is uh, ease of use. Like it's a nice developer experience. You don't really have to think about how your data is being stored in an efficient way. You can just access it directly. Um, and also you get speed out of it as well, right? So you, you get, instead of just having these JavaScript objects that you're working with all the time, like you, 
you get memory um, optimized versions of these objects. Um, and we can go in a bit more detail about how that's done. Um, yeah, but, please. Yeah. So like uh, on high level, I can see the difference. I can see the analogy to to like old architecture of React Native and new architecture of React Native. So old architecture is a bridge that needs to send the messages as a JSON. It needs to be um, parsed, decoded, stuff like that, right? And the native mm -hmm. layer then has to like act on those uh, things. So that's like ORMs, right? Then I have the SQL statements that needs to be understood and blah, blah, blah. Right. In your, like in this example, the realm is new architecture when I have just direct access to C++ objects that are my state, that are my data. Right. And you also get the benefit that the data that you get isn't a copy of your data. It's actually the live data. So you're actually Remember. seeing the live results. Um, and the way we manage that so that you don't run into issues is that if you're updating that data, we, uh, we have these uh, write transactions. So basically, you define a transaction, realm.write. You give it a callback. And when you're inside of that transaction, you're able to modify that data directly. And um, if you have multiple transactions happening at once, uh, realm core underneath knows like you know, one transaction after the other. If you do something that you're not supposed to, then it's going to roll that transaction back, right? And then it's going to invalidate it and your data is going to be fine. Right? Okay. So that's something a bit different. Like normally, you know, if you're using like a state management and you modify the data directly, like, well, it's only modified for that moment in time, but it's not actually saved, right? If you tried to modify anything that 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 you get from Redux, right? Um, but you would have to go that extra layer, you know, sending a, a request to your state tree to update the data itself. Um, but with Realm, you can just update it directly within there. And I guess the next question is, how do you get updates then? Like, how do you know that your data updated? Um, we also have event listeners that you can apply to. Um, but you don't have to when you're using Realm with React Native. Uh, with the hooks that I've developed, I've actually created the event listeners for you, uh, which will return uh, an update <laughs> it'll basically trigger a re-render whenever any of the data updated if it's relevant right okay and, so maybe yeah maybe we can actually like start discussing this part um right so and we will go back to the to the nice things and user experience and, and all of that as well later but maybe while we are in event listeners can you please um try to explain to how how do I start using this? How is it built like on React only side? What, what, what are the paradigms that you're using? You mean like uh, how, what you would do to get set up with, with Realm today? Like in React? Yeah, Native? yeah. Right. So like, I mean, npm install Realm and uh, at realm slash react, those are the two libraries, realm itself being the realm JS SDK and then at realm react being the uh, react native layer on top. Uh, and then you would think about how you want to, uh, what data models you want to save. So you would write your, your classes, right? Or your, your data models, um, basically defining a schema of what you want to do. And then um, 
you take the you input the realm provider in your application to wrap your app and you provide that with um an array array of schemas right and these schemas are actually the, the classes are, that you defined yeah. schemas are just the js classes uh yes there's actually uh when we get down into it there's actually two different ways you can model mm -hmm. data like uh before typescript was uh huge and classes were kind of big in javascript um we just use schemas, uh, schema objects themselves. So basically, it's just an object. It has an, uh, a structure that you have to um, adhere to, which is a name, uh, a name field, which is the name of your model, and then a properties field, which shows you which properties are going to be in that um, mm -hmm. model, right? And each property can be like name, which is the type of string, uh, age, which is the type of integer, um, birthday which is a type of date um and then you can even go further like if you you can set up like object links so if you have uh children uh for a person then you can say okay well i can just make another person that it links to and then um so you can even self-reference uh the mm -hmm. same model within the model right? okay or dogs you can have a dog object and have that also represented that class so and then after you have those schemas defined then uh, you, you wrap your app with the Realm provider. And when you want to use that data within your app, then you import use query out of Realm. Uh, you pass that in that class that you want to get out of it. And then it will return the collection of, uh, of data. Okay. Right. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah, please continue. <laughs> right. Uh, and if you want to filter that, um, since the last version I just released, uh, usually you would just call uh, dot filtered on that and wrap it in use memo or something like that. But uh, I created a second argument to use query, which is a callback where uh, you get uh, access to that collection that you, um, that you want, and then you can call dot filtered within that callback. And then you get a memoized uh, collection back. So it's just going to uh, you can even pass in a dependency array if you want to like, sorry, let me go back to dot filtered. Um, dot filtered has like a, a query uh, syntax, like age greater than five, you know, give me all the persons with age greater than five. So you put that in there and now you're going to have a collection that's always going to have all the people that with their age greater than five. Right. No, okay. Okay. And then I was, um, before you said that I was going to say, oh, okay, so this is, almost like selectors in Redux so that I get my data and then I can pick something else from it as well. But right. then with the introduction of this like uh, conditions, right? You can like actually select data more more precisely. Exactly. And uh, what's kind of nice is you can call sorted as well, uh, which can define how you sort that data. And imagine like you're displaying a list of people and your UI has a way to filter and sort. So if you have a, a use state up above that's basically keeping track of what you've selected for filtered values, then you can use that state as a dependency array into use query so that it will rerun that uh, that query when those objects update. Say that age is a, is a scroll uh, and you need to select which age you want. Like, and you move it to 10 then it's going to re-update that query and say, okay, we actually want people that are greater than age 10, and we want to sort it alphabetically from, you know, 
descending. Yeah. And yeah. that could change as well. And um, that happens really fast. It's like it doesn't need to make an extra, you know, SQL query when it does that. It's just modifying that that internal query and you'll get the results back. Um, so I want to touch on something that we discussed uh, with you and some other people from your company, from Realm. I, I could say MongoDB, your company, but yeah. uh, that I've heard this nice phrase that mobile is a ultimate distributed database. And on top of that, you have just released um, this new feature of synchronization between, uh, yeah, maybe maybe you can say that what the feature <laughs> is and how it connects with this like uh, distributed database. Right. So since Realm's uh, marriage to MongoDB, <laughs> we've been uh, we have access to all their their enterprise uh, uh, or their uh, server offerings, right? Um, the Atlas app services. Uh, and with that, you're, a you're able to have a global database that actually can communicate with that local database. So each each of these applications that are out uh, are basically having a copy of that that um, that global database that MongoDB offers and synchronizes with it, right? So now you have a basically a distributed system of uh, many different mobile devices out in the field that have various network connectivity issues, or you know, maybe they're offline, they're able to access their data, they're coming back online. Now they need to say what's changed, what's different. And um, basically the uh, the server will, will handle that for you and actually be able to send change sets from, from other pieces of that data and be able to come back and have the exact um, reality of what the world is in that moment, right? So, um, Moving on to that, so that's basically what we like to call an offline-first uh, architecture. So, um, your data when you have a local database, you'll always be able to access your data when you're offline. You know, if you very mm -hmm. first time open up the app, um, you have nothing, right? So you have to download the the data that you need at that moment in time. Um, and we have a, a trick for that. It's called flexible sync. Basically, you subscribe to a uh, a subset of that data that your app needs. Typically, if you in most apps, it would be just your user ID is probably what you want to filter your data on when you authorize, right? And then you you can start you know working on your data. Um, and after that's done, then you basically have this offline first app. You can edit your data at any time. So, Andrew, uh, from what I hear about the synchronization, this offline first part, is that I could theoretically have my database uh, be a substitute to my like API calls to have only data like being populated through database and not through uh, calling the API. Right. So like I like to think about it. So in classical, you know, uh, architectures, uh, you know, for like web applications or any other mobile applications, right, you usually making REST API calls to an API and caching it, caching the result. If you need to update things, then you have to make a request, a post request to update that data. And then you have to do another request to get the data back. You also have to set up a, probably some sort of subscription, like a WebSocket or something, or, or some sort of 
polling to, to keep getting the most updated version of that data. Um, but when you're using Realm with Sync, it's basically like your database becomes your REST API, right? So as long as you're setting up a listener to that collection of data, you're always getting, as long as you have a network activity, you're always getting the most updated thing. You know, it's already subscribed to to changes and you get updates when those things change. And if you write to it, it's automatically going to update what's in the cloud. So. Yeah. The, like the challenging example that I can think of when it's quite hard to synchronize is chat applications, right? Because like you need it to be like fast, reliable, all of that and like on time. And like, I feel if someone takes the burden from me of doing the hard work of synchronization and I can just focus on like creating the UI and it's going to work, like this could be a very mm, good use case to like not do the API completely and just um, rely on the database underneath. Right, exactly. So we just take all the hard work out of it. Yeah, uh, you could basically use something like flexible sync to apply to a chat room and then, you know, then you just get the subset of data from that chat room. So you, you could easily have multiple chat rooms running against your 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 MongoDB cluster. Um but what your mobile app that's that's currently subscribed to that chat room will only see the changes it's interested in and that should happen quite fast. Yeah. So I hinted in the beginning of the episode that we will compare the Firebase and Realm. So let's do that now. Let's maybe um, have that comparison. How is what I can do with Realm and what I can do with uh, Firebase? What are the differences there in possibilities? They're definitely very similar in uh, terms of what you can do, right? Uh, Firebase off. Uh, Let's talk about Firestore. I'll, I'll talk real quick. There's two things that Firebase offers. They have the real-time database solution and the Firestore solution. Uh, I would recommend if you're going to use Firebase, look at the Firestore solution while the real-time database is... Uh, it's basically just storing JSON at the end of the day, right? It's just an object. And Firestore, you can you know set up collections and sub-collections. Um, but what is the difference between Firebase and Realm. They both offer synchronization. They both offer queries. You get your updates. Um, but Firebase is, uh, when it comes to local, right? Um, I would say Firebase is more remote first, whereas Realm is more local first, right? Mm -hmm. um, you are able to work on your data in Firebase when you're offline. It will store all the the transactions you're you're working on as you're as you're making updates to it. Um, but at, I was just reading through the manual at some point. Like if you if you're setting up a really complex transaction uh, and you restart your app, you will lose that those changes that you just made. So um, in Realm, it's a bit different. Like you, we're also like you're making all these changes to your database. We're also keeping a log, a change log that's going on. Uh, but we're not going to wipe that out for you. Like your local database will will be be the same. There are situations, of course, where you can get in this situ uh, the situation that, like, for instance, if your app's been offline for a very long time and the schema has changed on your on your MongoDB data, like the structure has changed, there's like mm -hmm. no way you're going to be able to uh, to migrate. Um, then. Basically, at that point, you can just wipe the data on the phone and get the uh, the latest changes downloaded, right? 
Something that I picked up from our conversation previously is that it works similarly to uh, Git, right? Uh, when yeah, yeah, when you have conflicts, you have to resolve them. Sometimes it is not like like you said uh, just now. Sometimes it's not possible to resolve the conflicts, but <laughs> you can have your everyone has this distributed version of code. Um, you can make your changes locally, and eventually, after you push resolve conflicts, it will be um, what's the word consistent on uh, eventual consistency. It's called right. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. So that as you're working on that copy of your data and Git, at some point you're going to want to you know da- merge those with the changes that are up there, and you do that in the local. You know. You could yeah. obviously just say from your client, force push and uh, override all the changes your your teammates yeah. made, but I'm sure they, they're not going to like you after that. <laughs> sure. So yeah, it's very similar. The same type of problems uh, that you have would have to solve with merge conflicts is kind of what we're solving for you with uh, with Realm data and, and, a, and a cloud database. Okay, so maybe talk, let's talk a little bit about the use cases. We touched on the very simple solution like async storage um, and like state management libraries. But then what is the, 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 the step? What are the use cases that you would advocate to use more advanced solution like, like Realm? I think any, even simple apps like could benefit from using realm as you know if you ever need to do anything especially with you know realm and sync if you ever need to do anything with a back end and you're setting up you know an api and a back end server and a database thinking about distribution and things like um it's nice to just use realm right away uh cuz then you don't have to like think about these optimization things right you know it's not hard to get started with realm and you know, like there's a classic, like, you know, don't pre-optimize your code because you'll never yeah, yeah. get to release. Well, if you just start using Realm and Sync right away, like you're basically pre-optimizing without wasting any time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's definitely, uh, well, if we'll move on to the next point. Like uh, what are what are specifically good applications for Realm? Um, if you're in areas with low latency, um, say if you're, creating a logistics app and you have uh, truck drivers uh, using a mobile app to know like where they have to deliver their packages to Um, you don't want them you know being out in the middle of the country trying to see okay where's that address and all of a sudden they get a loading spinner (laughs) or at the same point they want to report right away that they uh, their job is done and that they've delivered their package and um if they can do that with Realm, they can simply modify that data. And as soon as their mobile device gets network again, it's mm-hmm. going to send and update that change set so that the people in the logistics center can actually see, oh, okay, they're done with their delivery, right? Um, it's fun. We actually even had a, uh, a GitHub user um, filing uh, issues for us uh, from uh, who was actually a farmer in Africa, and he's like making apps for farming. You know, Africa typically doesn't have very good low latency, and so he's able to actually do some tracking of his uh, his farm farming operation using Realm and Sync. So, um, okay, so and so basically, uh, it's from what I 
from what I'm hearing is that it's good for everything, but especially good for like um, local first database, which it is uh, for low network conditions, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. It's also nice, like if you if you do want to have you know just the local part of Realm, like if you have an application that's like a a note taking application or anything like that, um, it's nice to use Realm because you your data stored in kind of more of a database instead of just a giant file. Like it'll, it'll take up less space on your disk. Um, yeah. If you're right. So I was going to also ask, cause we already discussed how to set it up in my project, but how do I set up this synchronization? Do I need my own server with MongoDB or do you have some kind of maybe pre-made uh, solution that I can hook into? Uh, there is a little bit of a, a setup. Uh, we're trying to make it easier and easier, but you do. We have a we have a free tier for Sync. Like uh, Sync itself isn't isn't free, but after you uh, you scale to a certain point, mm -hmm. but uh, you do need to set up an Atlas um, cluster. Um, so basically, you can make an account on on um, MongoDB and and set up an Atlas, and that you deploy a cluster, and then you create. It basically, it's uh, under App Services. You create a, a an an application and that uh, is what you can use to start sync uh, we do have some easier ways to get started like if you um we're going to share some links uh uh the getting started tutorials um which will deploy basically like a, a to-do list app and automatically set up like your atlas and app services for you and i'm wanting to like make a command line tool in the future where you can basically just say like react uh, realm in it and then it will just set up that background for you um but yeah so let's take that back a little bit so once you get set up with app services um you basically create a realm app you set up authorization of some kind um you can start off with say anonymous login if you just want to get started without thinking about you know setting up email addresses and passwords. Um, and then you enable flexible sync, which will basically um, set up a uh, the synchronization service for you. Um, and then you can enable that in developer mode so that when you set up your classes in your application and start writing and using it automatically, um, it will do the work of setting up the schemas that talk to MongoDB. So. Sounds pretty complicated. Uh, it does. Once yeah. You get, yeah. <laughs> once you get started with it, it's it's great. Um, we're trying to make that even easier every day. Um, but that is definitely like one of the the toughest parts to to get started. Um, but it's also like from my podcast experience, it's quite hard to explain technical topics without visuals, without like examples of. Like here is the dashboard and here is this piece of code that I'm like, it's harder to describe the piece of code than just yeah. show it. And like everyone would understand it when, when, when they see it. So right. like, like you said, we're going to link everything that we are talking about in the show notes so that everyone can go there and just set up their first chat application with, <laughs> with realm. Right. Uh, yeah, please. Oh yeah, I was just gonna mention like we we can add also in the uh, the notes. Like I did a a session with Yaman Holmgren from uh, React Native Live, where we uh, basically did a live stream on Twitch, setting up a, a React uh, Native app with Realm and Sync. So like 
the first half of it, we just set up the, a local to-do list app. And then the second half of it, we, we did the entire uh, Atlas uh, cluster set up and, and get everything worked on and ran into issues and solved the issues. Uh, so it was, it was good. Um, but at the end of it, we got it working. So if you want to check that out and, and see how that could be done, um, and yeah, what yeah, definitely. You might run into, uh, that's definitely worth checking into. We're gonna yeah. link a show from Jamon as well in the show notes. Jamon is actually uh, from Infinite Red. They just had a Chain React conference, and they are doing re uh, React Native Radio, which I'm a fan of. And oh, yeah. they he also does the live session with, with coding. So I really, uh, I really enjoy watching him doing all of that. Um, I want to move on to like maybe discuss some of the distinctive features that Realm provides to developers and to like up performance and, and all of that. If you could speak something to this. Right. So um, we've got all these points, but I, I want to talk about like how as I said, each SDK that, that Realm has is is developer focused. Like we're thinking about how how can you make it so that the database, which is you know usually a super complex thing, like you don't want the developers to have to think about a database. You know, you want you want things to just you want to focus on your your application that you're making. You want to get your idea off the ground. So um, the way we do that, as we talked about before, like having objects in. Uh, that you can access in Realm that that are basically uh, the same as their JavaScript counterpart. For example, like the collection you get back from Realm looks and feels like an array, right? You can plug it into the data property of a flat list. Uh, you can mm -hmm. index it. You can call map filter. You can run for each methods, uh, iterable th th uh, methods as well. Um, the next feature is uh, would be like live objects. The data that you get is always, uh, it's never stale. It's always the, um, like every write you make, you're always having access to the version, uh, the, the correct data. Um, and then what's also nice about Realm is the hydration period. Like if you, if you're using something like Redux Persist or or um, Mavic State Tree, um, you'll have to basically have a hydration period, right? You're gonna have to. Uh, <laughs> what does a hydration period mean? Basically, when you start your app, you're going to have to load that state somehow into memory. And um, usually the way that's done is that you'll use something like async storage or, or, or persistence library under the hood, which is going to have to parse that data that was stored and convert it into a JavaScript data, uh, object. And then at that moment of time, it sends a, um, uh, an event list, uh, it fires an event list into your app to let you know that the hydration is done and your app can carry on yeah. and use that uh, use that data now. Uh, with Realm, um, if you have access to your local, if, if you have that local database, you basically can open it directly right away and immediately have access to your data. Um, we don't have to load everything into memory at once. We can use memory uh, mapping features to make sure that you just get access right away. And as you start accessing your data, It'll start loading things into memory, right? So if you have a collection of you know hundreds of thousands of items, you're not going to put hundreds of thousands of items in your memory right away. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to get a page yeah, of so data. Yeah, so it's faster, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. 
Um, and then other than that, uh, when we're talking about sync, um, you also get Atlas, uh, you get access to the MongoDB Atlas features as well on top of that. So, um, basically outside of the, the realm database object that you have, there's also an app object, um, which we provide providers for, and also a user object, which is your authentication. And from there, you're able to basically call things like uh, function triggers on your Atlas, da uh, Atlas database. So if you need to do any like MongoDB-specific things, and you know MongoDB mm -hmm. quite well, it, um, you can actually call function triggers and, and pass them params, and then you know, you'll have functions in like serverless functions within the, the MongoDB cloud that can be triggered to actually work on data. Right. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Right. And at the end of the day as well, like even if you did uh, set up Realm with Sync and you wanted to do something besides like React Native development, you can also like create a GraphQL interface. Like MongoDB offers a GraphQL interface to the data. Um, it can also generate a REST database to your data. Um, right. And okay. uh, yeah. Um, maybe, uh, maybe what we could do now is also, um, take a look at the future for Realm. What are you cooking for us, uh, that is not released yet? If you can, uh, speak something to that. Right. Uh, one thing, uh, one of our teams is working really hard on is, uh, WASM support. So, uh, that we could run Realm actually in your browser. So um, I would love this because at that like after I was at the last conferences and seeing all the fun things that Expo is doing with like routing and and stuff like that, file based routing, I was like, it you really want to share all your code, you know, between your your React Native app and your React front end app. And if we can get the Wasm support uh, released and it has the same, you know. It's API, also just yeah. npm install realm and npm install realm react. Uh, you would be able to share code between your web application and your realm application. Yeah, um, we do offer uh, realm web today, but it's basically um, giving you a MongoDB client that you can talk to, and mm -hmm. does like the authentication things and stuff like that. But you can't actually like work with realm in a classic sense in the browser today. So that's super exciting. Uh, we actually have alphas out for that now. There's actually people experimenting with it. So um, you can definitely check that out. Um, yesterday, I just pulled the trigger on a release candidate for version 12. Um, we're pretty excited about this because uh, Realm classically, like Realm JS classically, was mostly written in C++. Mm -hmm. um, so you would have basically methods that you were invoking uh, that would just immediately be C++ calls. Um, and for us, that was a bit tough to maintain when we wanted to make new features. So basically now we've created this binding generator that'll just wrap Realm Core and give us a TypeScript interface to it. So now we can actually use, like, like our team can access the the Realm Core itself as a as a TypeScript interface and then write all the, the SDK code in, in TypeScript and JavaScript. I think this is going to be really cool because now people using our code are going to be able to step into Realm and actually see what's going on under the hood and maybe submit some pull requests or, you know, file some bug reports with actually this context because classically it was difficult to see what happens once it goes into C++ land. 
right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And uh, we've done some performance checks as well, and like we're not taking too much performance hit doing this, so we're ex- we're really excited about it. So that's been uh, that's been released. Um, basically, if you update from eleven to twelve, you shouldn't have to make any changes to your code. Like we did the best we could. We had to hold back from making breaking changes, but uh, <laughs> yeah, version thirteen will be the fun one when we actually get to improve on that. And then uh, also um, Realm React itself. Um, I just released a new version, zero point five. This uh, includes hooks uh, to make it easier to authorize your app. So you got to use outhook um, that you can use. Uh, basically, if you're setting up your Realm app for for sync, um, you have a, a user provider that has a fallback property when you ha- when you don't have an authentication session, and then it'll render what's in that fallback. Um, so I made these hooks that when you're in that fallback, you can just use these authentication hooks to have a simple interface. For instance, you call login with email and password, which you pull from use auth. And it also has a, a pending or no, it has a result object that shows you the state of the operation you made. So we mm-hmm. call login, then it'll say, okay, uh, this is pending or there is an error or it was successful. And then you can yeah, update promise. your eye with that. It's like, right. Promise. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just like an async operation, um, but it's wrapping uh, the authentication parts of, of Realm. Um, and then use query has been updated, as I said, to use these uh, the callback with the uh, um, to set up your queries and your your filtering um, and sorting. And yeah, um, we're constantly gonna keep looking for community feedback. Um, so, uh, Realm React is a work in progress. Like, uh, I was really excited to make it and, and actually make it so that Realm was easy to use. So, um, we're definitely looking forward to, to more community involvement and seeing what people think about it. And, um, we welcome anybody to, to submit issues or feature requests and, um, let us know what we can do. We're listening. We're very active on GitHub. So. And on yeah. podcasts and on uh, React Native <laughs> Live as well. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate you coming into the show and uh, talking with me about this. I'm not really into databases, so that was a very nice opportunity for me to like learn more about the differences between the different kinds and like what I can do with them. And I'm going to definitely check out the synchronization because I feel like from my newbie database perspective, this can allow me to like omit using the API calls entirely. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that. <laughs> um, Andrew, thank you so much for uh, coming into the show. Uh, thank you everyone that was listening. Um, we will link everything that we discussed uh, in this episode in the show notes, like uh, Realm React like MongoDB, React Native, uh, and like React Native Life with Jamon that lasted three hours. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Oh.